This morning I want to just for a few moments talk on the subject of forsaking all for the call. Forsaking all for the call. We're going to be back in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 19 through 21. Uh, we're going to be talking about Elijah, but also about Elisha this morning. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelve. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Can you say that with me? He left the oxen and ran after Elisha and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Can you say with me, he arose, he arose and followed Elijah, Elijah and became his servant. So we have been looking at the life of Elijah. We have been following him over the past couple of months. And when we last left Elijah, he was at Mount Horeb and he had an encounter with God. We need to have encounters with God. A, a one-time encounter for your life is not enough. You will run out of steam, as they say. You will run out of the energy and the passion that you need if you only have a one-time encounter with the Lord. And, and what the Lord really wants for us is for us to have continuous and continuing encounters with him so that we are growing in the Lord, so that we are maturing because a mature plant, a mature tree is one that develops and is, has fruit upon its limbs and is able to bless those who come to that tree. And so we want to have encounters with the Lord. And, and as we look at Elijah, he has this fresh encounter with God. And God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I believe, as we talked about the last time, that God is asking us the same question. What are you doing here? What is your purpose for being here? Why are you living the way you are living? Why are you dedicated the, the way you are dedicated? Why do you spend your time and spend your money on the things that you are doing? And God wanted to get to the heart of Elijah. What are you doing here? Because Elijah had almost walked away from what God had called him to do. If you've been around me much, you know that I preach all the time. That God has a calling for your life. That God has a purpose and a plan for your life. That you were created for a reason and you were designed for a purpose. And so God wants you to come to him and to be used by him. And he wants you to be engaged in that purpose. 
Here is Elijah at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, and God passes by him. This morning, I believe that God is passing by us. That he is in this house and that he is passing by and that he has a call upon our life and it is up to us to reach out to the Lord and to grab a hold of him and to find the purpose and the plan that he has for our life. And so this morning, God is passing by. I used to sing a song that it always makes a difference when Jesus passes by. The enemy trembles, the devil flees when Jesus comes on the scene. And what I want us to know is that Jesus is here in the house with us. And that he's passing by and that he's here with us and he has a purpose and a design and a plan for our lives. Here's Elijah and a strong wind comes and it tears the mountains and breaks the rocks into pieces. But God is not in the wind. Then an earthquake, but God is not in the earthquake. Then a great fire, but God is not in the fire. But then a still, small voice. Aren't you thankful for the still, small voice of God? That speaks into our hearts and lives. Oh, God does come and, and he demonstrates his power and his healing ability and, and all of those things. But sometimes what we need is just a still, small voice of God. That fresh encounter with him where he speaks back into our heart and into our lives and says, uh, I've got a call upon your life. I've got something for you to do and you're going to make a difference in this world. And you're going to uh, do what only you can do. You see, that's how God calls us. God comes to him and he doesn't whisper a great secret. He says, go back. So this morning, if you quit, it's time to go back. If you've given up, it's time to go back. If you've lost your passion for the Lord, it's time to go back. You see, God is calling us, as the Psalms have uh, talked about, for a close relationship to him. Draw nearer unto me, says the Lord. Uh, draw unto me. Uh, experience my presence. Experience my glory. So this morning, if you have made a, uh, a decision to depart from the Lord, he is calling out to you. Come back. Go back. We look at Elijah. We look at him and in many ways he had almost given up. He thought, my ministry has been a failure. Anybody else in here, any pastors, ministers, ever felt like your ministry was a failure? And he comes to Elijah, and he begins to talk to him, and he said, go back, for I've got something great for you to do. As a matter of fact, you're going to appoint and anoint two kings who are going to take on that evil, wicked king Ahab. And then I've got somebody to help you. Uh, I don't know, if you're like me, I get excited when somebody says, Pastor, I want to help you. I want to help the church. I want to get involved. I want to uh, minister. I want to teach a, a Sunday school class. I want to teach a Bible study. But God calls us to be helpers in the kingdom. One of the least mentioned ministries in the church is the ministry of help. Those people who come along beside and help the ministry flow and continue. Because pastors, 
and ministers and workers in the church can become what Elijah did. He was tired, worn out, ready to quit and ready to give up. But God said, I've got somebody for you who has a heart like you have, who wants to see God move, and who is already at work doing something. You want to be used by God, don't be lazy. So God comes to Elijah and he says, I want to expand your role in the kingdom. And Elijah, it seems that he heard what God said, but he did it in reverse order. So he went to Elisha and anointed him to be his helper. Notice it doesn't say there, though it is insinuated, that he is going to be the next great prophet. He is going to be a helper. As a matter of fact, uh, in the next book of Kings, I believe it is, it tells us that Elisha was known for pouring water upon Elijah's hands. What was he doing? He was helping. He was helping. He was giving him water, either to drink or to wash himself up. So he was a servant unto Elijah. God was increasing Elijah's role in the kingdom. Elijah anoints Elisha. And to anoint means to smear with oil for the purpose of consecration. But this morning I want us to look at a secondary meaning of that, which means to spread or to expand. To anoint means to spread or to expand. So God looked at Elijah, who's flat wore out, and he says, I'm going to not diminish your role, but I'm going to spread out or increase your role in the kingdom. But that role will be dependent on the person that I've called to help you in ministry. And so, and as we look at this, the word Elijah, the name Elijah means, my God is Jehovah. And we talked a lot about that, so I'm not going to go too much into that, other than it means that he is the supreme God. When you take it and you make a cross in the middle and you add something, then it takes on a new dimension and a new role. And so here is Elijah, who means my God is Jehovah. And when you add Elisha to it, which means God is salvation, then that means that my God, who is the supreme ruler, who is the king of the world, he decided that he would also be my salvation. Oh, what a mighty a purpose that God gave to Elijah and to Elisha. Aren't you glad that God is our salvation? He gave him Elisha so he could be more productive and effective in the kingdom. And I will say this. Sometimes I think we're not as productive in the kingdom because we try to do it all ourselves. We don't look for help. We just try to do it all by ourselves. And we're just like Elijah. Poor little me. God, you put too much on my shoulders. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do what you call me to do. It's just too much, God. And standing maybe even right beside you is somebody that God has called to be a helper and a worker in the kingdom. And so I want us to understand that we all have a calling. We all have a position. We all have a, a need to be involved in the kingdom of God. And Elijah identifies Elisha. How can God expand us as a church when we reach out and we find 
one more helper. When we reach out and we find one more person to do something in the kingdom of God. And as I look at this church, we are blessed with ministers and pastors. And I believe, number one and foremost, that that is because God has a big plan for us in his kingdom. That we are going to reap a harvest of souls because that is what it's all about. God has given us ministers in order that we might have a big role in the kingdom of God. But he has also given us ministers that we, they might be used for the kingdom. And I want you to know that you cannot accomplish the calling of God alone. As a matter of fact, I would be so bold as to say that it is prideful if you think you can. What God has called you to do is too big for just you. What God has called us to do as a church is too big for just us to do. We, we need to incorporate others into the body of Christ. And I, I'm so glad this morning that we recognize new members. And if you know anything about me, before too long, I'll be putting you to work. So I believe that God positioned Elijah to take on Elisha. And every person that is added to the kingdom, added to the church, adds a new dimension to the church. Because we have more people, we can reach more people and minister to more needs. Look at Elisha. Imagine Elisha's life before encountering Elijah. It tells us that he was behind a yoke of oxen plowing the field. Number one, imagine the view. Number two, imagine the monotonous work of plowing the field. But what I like about Elisha is that he's not lazy and he's doing something. Uh, what I like about Elisha is, and we need to be like that, Elisha believed that God had a great calling upon his life, but he wasn't sitting back and waiting and saying, God, I'm waiting on that great opportunity. I'm waiting on that door to open up. But he was busy, and he was working, and he was doing what was before him until God called him to do a great work for the kingdom. We must be busy. By the way, God rewards those who are faithful with the plants. Let me believe that. God rewards those who are faithful with the planting. Elijah comes along and he passes by Elisha. Same word that tells us that God passed by Elijah. Elijah is a prototype of God to Elisha. Elijah passes by and he throws a mantle, a jacket, a coat upon him, a robe upon him. He's saying to him, that which covered me, that ministry uh, that covered me is now your ministry. Yeah. I'll be your mentor and you'll be my student. Yeah. As God has been working through me, he's getting to work through you. Yeah. What did Elisha do? Had you repeated to me, he left the oxen and ran to Elijah. He abandoned the old life. He forsook it. He did not say, wait just a little bit. Uh, I've got to get my 401k plan in order. I've got to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, that my family is taken care of. But I want you to know he was all in. As soon as Elijah threw the mantle over him, he ran for Elijah. And he said, let me go kiss my mama and daddy. Now, he wasn't backing out. 
He was paying respect to his mom and dad. There's an illustration that tells us on February the 19th of 1519, there was a Spanish explorer named Hernan Cortez who set out from Mexico. Look at what he had with him. 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, 553 soldiers. But he was outnumbered by the indigenous people. There were 5 million of them in the area that their ships came into. And instead of leaving and backing out and saying, this must not be the plan for me, what did he do? He looked at his men and he said, burn the ships. That sounds crazy to me. Burn the ship is. It's crazy commitment. And he told him, he said, he told him, burn the ships because there is not a plan B. Elisha had no plan B. He killed the cows and he burned the plow. And he left no way for him to go back to an alternative life. And that, my friends, is what God calls each one of us to do. He tells us to take up our cross and to follow him. He tells us to, to follow me and to come near me. He, he told Peter to come, and Peter came and walked upon the water with him. See, Elisha accepted God's plan. He didn't turn back. There was no plan B. Elisha gave up his family, his friends, his financial security, all for the purpose and plan of God. He left it all to be a servant to a man who was not even popular, to a man who was hated, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. It wasn't like he was going to be uh, the servant of some famous person or some rich person. But it was the call of God upon his life. Not necessarily just the call of Elijah, but the call of God upon his life. And he said, I'll leave it all behind. I'll do what God has called me to do. My friends, that's what God has placed upon each one of us to do. You see, what I like about Elisha is he didn't love the details, but he was immediately obedient. He didn't say, what's my benefits? Elijah, what do you got to offer me? And over here, they're offering me a medical plan. Over here, they, they got a matching 401k. Think about it, people. He didn't do that. He had no idea what it was going to look like when Elijah places the mantle upon him, but he went and there was no plan B for him. Sometimes you just have to burn the ships and do what God's called you to do. Obey The Bible was loaded with people who didn't know all the details, but immediately obeyed what God told them to do. God told Abraham, go to a place, and I'll tell you when you get there. And I'm going to give you that land, and I'm going to bless you, bless the world through you. God called Moses, and he didn't have all the details. Moses was hesitant at the beginning if he realized he had two million people to lead. Sometimes we don't know all the details. And Peter, he acted upon one word from Jesus. Peter acted upon that one word. And he gets out of the boat and still does 
the most amazing thing I've ever seen or heard of a man doing. Now, we give Peter a hard time, uh, but we would have got our eyes off of Jesus too if the waves were lashing upon him. The amazing thing is that Peter had the faith in what the Lord spoke to him to just get up out of the boat and to step on the water and begin to walk toward Jesus. You see, in your life, you're not going to know all the details of the call that God has upon your life. When I was a young man and God began uh, to work inside of me and God uh, used me to lead worship and God sometimes would use me to teach a Sunday school class or every once in a while lead a, a Bible study, I did not know the full plan of God upon my life. But many times we have to forsake all for the call. To go where God has called us to, to go. This morning, are we willing to sacrifice all for the call of God upon our life? God has a call on us. There's no doubt about it. He made us for a purpose and for a reason. And we're to follow after God. That's what Elisha did to Elijah. He didn't start doing miracles. He was following like, what do you need, Master? What do you what do you need? What can I do for you? How can I make it easier for you to minister to the people and to do what God has called you to do? Can I tell you that we are all called to the ministry of helping others? Amen. We're all called to it. 